so glad you guys are here this morning. There's a lot of red over here. A lot of red. Get ready, getting ready to do something. Wow. Dad joke. All right. It's not even Father's Day. I'm already telling dad jokes. Man, what about that worship this morning? Amazing. Amazing. Come here, Michelle. I don't know if you guys were here last week. Come stand here beside me. I don't know if you guys were here last week, but this amazing woman of God spoke last week and killed it. Amen. And it was amazing. And uh, our team was in Mexico, and we plugged in as soon as we got in the car on Monday and, and listened to it. Thanks, Ryan, for getting that up and running and all the help that goes in there. But uh, just amazing, and I, I just appreciate her. And I don't, get, uh, I don't do this often, but I want to just give her a shout-out. And uh, such, I really honestly, I said, mm, I told him in the car, it's like, that's going to be hard to follow right there. That was really good. So proud of her, proud of her. I love how God uses powerful women in the ministry. How about y'all? Amen. Thank God. Y'all, everybody talks about Tim. You know, the reason Tim's so great is because of Michelle. <laughs> so... Kind of like I always say, you won't want me to pastor you without Angela. So, you know, there we go. Balance. All right. So we're talking about Thrive, this, uh, this series. And this has been a great series. Uh, and we actually had only was going to uh, do this. This was going to be on Mother's Day. And then, my speaking of powerful women, my mother-in-law laid it down so good on Mother's Day and just opened the door to so many things. We thought, well, we just need to, you know, keep doing this because it was great. So uh, I'm going to share with you just a little bit this morning. Um, you know, our lives we were created, and I know that you hear this. I know you've heard it a thousand times. We were created to be powerful. <laughs> Got one amen. All right, most of us were created. No, I'm just kidding. We were created to be powerful. That's what God created. He created powerful people. Now, we're not just powerful because we were created. We're created to be powerful because we have a relationship with God. Amen. And oftentimes we talk about the favor of God on our lives. And, and, and I don't want you to feel like by what I'm about to say that God does not favor on your life. But I'm telling you that great favor and great grace comes out of our intimacy and our relationship with God. Amen. Now it's favor on our life marginally just because he went to the cross and he died for us. So we automatically have favor to come into the kingdom of God. But once we're in the kingdom of God, if we're going to live in great favor with God, then it comes out of our place, of the secret place, and out of intimacy with God. Mm -hmm. Amen. And you see people that are blessed, 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 and you say, well, I'd like to have what they have, but you don't know the price they paid to get there. Amen. There's a price that has to be paid in our serving the Lord. Now, I'm going to say this before I ever start. I realize that that you are saved by grace and not by works or anything that's inside of us. I get that. But there's a price that comes that there's required in serving the Lord. And I think we live in a day where we, we preach grace so loosely that we almost act as if grace is okay not to have, to not to have 
uh, responsibility of our own, taking responsibility for our own walk with God. Like this gracious covers me. And I, don't, I, I can get into all kinds of mess there, but I, I want you to just understand that, that there is a responsibility in our lives and there is a price to be paid. Right. It's important that you know that. And so to thrive was going to cost you something. It doesn't come without that. And just, just, just to remain, we can just remain and just, just exist without thriving and, and be saved possibly, but just go through life without, without much responsibility and just exist, but we'll never become all that God created us to be. They're just existing. And, and that's the easy way out. It's the easy road out. But when we want to thrive and we want to grow and we want to expand and we want to enlarge our territory, there's a price that we have to pay. And I want to say it again. We were created to thrive. I want to look at your neighbor and say, whether you believe it or not, you're powerful. Now, if you believe that, look at your neighbor and say, I already know. Yeah, I already know. Thanks for telling me, but I already know. I'm powerful. I'm powerful. And, and that sounds almost arrogant, but it's not because we know it's not us, but Christ in us, the hope of glory. But, but if I don't believe I'm powerful, who's going to believe I'm powerful? I have to believe it. I have to believe who God says I am. And I know I say that so many times, you know, I'm going to keep saying it till you get it. I'm going to keep saying it till you get it. So I'll probably be saying it till Jesus comes. But we are created to be powerful, powerful people. And we've been given this thing called a will. Now, there's three wills operating in the earth. There's the will of man, the will of God, and the will of Satan. And because we're powerful people and because we get to choose some things, we, can su we submit our will. The common denominator there is that we'll either surrender our will to God or we'll surrender our, world, our will to Satan. Now, the Scripture says, choose you this day who you will serve. So say it's my choice. It's my choice. I get to choose. God's not going to make me serve him. I get to choose. Choose you this day who you will serve. And so he gives us this choice to make a decision in our life, what we're going to do with our life, and how powerful we're going to be in our life, and how much we're going to grow, and how much we're going to produce. So this will is so very important, and that's a whole sermon on its own. It's easy to believe that God is in control, and that way that we can blame God for the things that don't come to pass in our life. Oh, God's in control, meaning I'm not going to do anything because God's in control. I'm just going to chill because God's in control. You know, it's, it's, it's an easy out. Then we say, well, things don't come like we have had a word, a prophecy hanging over us or something don't come to fruition or these life promises don't come. We'll say, well, you know, it's not on me. God's in control. Well, I want to hurt your feelings a little bit this morning. God's not in control. God is in charge, but he's not in control. He has given you control. Amen. Let me get down here where you can hear me. <laughs> he's given you control over your life. Yeah. Right. Now, the song says, Jesus, take the wheel. 
But I'm just going to let you know something. Jesus trusts you with the will. Amen. <laughs> now, Pastor, you just made it all the responsibility on me. No, it's not all on you, but he's done a great part, and he left you with a decision to make whether I'm going to serve the Lord and I'm going to be in his perfect will. I, I, I said this a couple of weeks ago, but let me just say it again. I used to preach this message, and it was a wrong theology. H have you ever had wrong theology and you got revelation? Okay. <laughs> So I'm going to tell you, I preached something that was wrong theology. I preached in the will of God, the, the perfect will of God, and the submissive will of God. The submissive will of God gives you a little leeway to mess it all up. The perfect will of God calls you to a higher place. Let, let me help you today. There's the will of God, and then there's not the will of God. Because there's one thing that's the common denominator of that is, am I going to obey the plan of God in my life. So when I obey the plan of God in my life, I will fulfill the will of God for my life. When I do what my flesh wants to do, then I say submissive will, meaning I can kind of hang on the edge and do my thing and yet do my thing over here. It's living in two places, and that's not God's plan. God's a kind of all-in kind of God. He's all-in for you, and he really desires for you to be all-in for him. And he really wants you to say, God, I surrender completely to your plan for my life so that I can live in the fulfillment of all that you created me to be. Are you with me this morning? Amen. But when we realize God's not in control, the power of choice comes with the power of responsibility. And so we can choose to live our lives the way we please and what pleases the flesh or we live by the spirit and the work of the spirit in our life that pleases and honors God. I'm just going to tell you today, your pastor will tell you that my flesh, oh, I can't do that. I don't want to please my flesh. I, 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 my flesh is weak, but, my, but the spirit man inside of me is great. Amen. I'm not an overcomer because I've, because I've got so good at overcoming that I have created this overcoming lifestyle that's developed out of my own strength. I'm an overcomer because I'm obedient to God and I'm surrendered to his will. So even when I mess it up, he rescues me. Amen. Let me say this this morning. That's what grace is. Grace is when you mess it up, he rescues you. Not, grace is not live any way you want to. Amen. 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 <laughs> well, let, let me also confess this to you. I mess it up. I know none of you do, but I do, right? I know. Nobody here messes it up, but perfect place. But I mess it up. But God rescues me. God brings me to a place. And it's because I made a decision that I would live out of obedience to him. And when I say I live out of obedience, that doesn't mean that I live in complete obedience because sometimes I mess it up. Am I confusing you? <laughs> okay. Well, let me explain it to you. This is just for email. So... 
I am doing what I know to do. I'm living in the purpose and the plan of God for my life. And the scripture says, sometimes we fall short. We fall short. But we have an advocate with the Father. And he comes and rescues us. You got it? All right, let me move on. So, my flesh sometimes is weak, but my spirit is willing and surrendered to God. And John 12, it says this. And I love how the Passion Translation does this. Let me make this clear. I love that. All right. So let me make this clear. Everybody got it? We're going to start out right there. Is anybody amen in here today? Amen. All right. Come on. Let's do a little talk back. Let me make this clear. A single grain of wheat will never be more than a single grain of wheat unless it's dropped into the ground and dies. Because then it sprouts and produces a great harvest of wheat. All because one grain died. The person who loves his life and pampers himself will miss true life. But the one who detaches his life from this former world and abandons himself to me will find true life and enjoy it forever. If you want to be my disciple, follow me and you will go where I go and where I am going. And if you truly follow me as my disciple, the Father will shower his favor upon your life. There it is. When you say, I'm going to follow God and you go all in, here comes the favor of God. Here comes the plan of God. Here comes the purpose of God. Here comes the joy of the Lord. Here comes the strength of God because I'm surrendered to the perfect will of God. It's very interesting that I'm holding in my hand today these seeds. And um, these are tomato seeds, and this is a tomato plant. And um, I, I know that you can barely see the seeds from where you're sitting because they're very small. They're very small. And uh, one might think that the seed, you know, the, the point of the seed does not really die. Uh, scientifically, it doesn't die when it goes into the ground, but rather it germinates, and, it, and then, it, then it begins to grow. Now, I'm... Let me tell you, I'm no farmer and I'm no gardener. I just read this, so it's got to be true. (laughs) I Googled it. (laughs) And and so the seed doesn't go, the seed, some might say, well, that's not true, that the seed doesn't actually die. But this passage of Scripture here is really explaining something that's uh, even more important than the thought of the scientific matter of the seed dying and, and becoming a plant. It's actually the understanding that but what the seed is doing is if, if we dug this tomato plant up and we pulled it out by the roots today and we looked hard as we could look in this soil, we could never find this seed. The seed has died. What has the seed died to? The seed has died to the fact that it's losing its identity to become something greater. Now, when I hold in my hand this seed, I'm, I'm just going to help you out a little bit. This doesn't look like a tomato plant. And it doesn't taste like a tomato plant. It doesn't taste like a tomato at all. Matter of fact, it tastes like cardboard. This seed in and of itself has not become what it was created to produce. Until 
it loses its own identity. Now you say, well, I thought the Lord give us our identity. Yes, our identity is in the seed, but something has to die to self. And self sometimes creates an identity that's not what God created you to be. Are you with me this morning? And so until this seed is planted in the ground and it must go in a dark place for a period of time so that it must germinate, so that it would sprout, so that it would come forth and it would produce the very purpose it was given for. And once the seed is in the ground, then it needs to be watered, it needs to be nurtured, it needs to be taken care of. And the plant, the seed would never give life, but the plant would give life. And it would, it, it would no longer find its identity in what it was, but it would find its identity in where it was going and what it was caused to be and what it was created to be and what it loves to be. And this seed produces a tomato. This tomato seed is not going to produce an apple tree. I promise you that. This, 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 uh, this tomato seed, you could plant in the ground and you could pray for apples all day long. You can get tomatoes. Because from its purpose and God's plan, it was created to be a tomato. Here's something very powerful when we understand this. Matt, come help me just a little bit. When God created each and every individual, each one of those were a seed with purpose. Here you go, buddy. Have a seed. How do you look? Small. Small. Each one of us is created with a seed with purpose. Now, we both have tomato seeds because that's what I have, but he may be created to be something different than I. It's so important to understand that what God is developing and doing in us, even though it may have some similar process it, and go through similar things, I will, this seed that I'm holding is going to be a tomato, and his seed is going to be an apple, apple tree. And they both have to be planted. They both have to go through the same process. And they both have to do the same thing to come forth to be what they were created to be. You know what religion does? Religion says all of us ought to look like an apple tree or all of us ought to look like a tomato plant or all of us ought to look like something else. But your identity of who God created you to be is what makes the garden beautiful. Right. I mean, listen, I, I love tomatoes. I understand they're bad for you, but along with a lot of other stuff I love. God made ice cream. All, the, those, I would not want my diet to be out of my garden just tomatoes every day. I, I would like to go to my garden and find a cucumber and find a, some okra and find some whatever else. All of the different things that make the garden the garden and have their own identity, but they fulfill a purpose of making, whatever, making what we are meant to be greater in its understanding. It's so important to me that you understand today that what God created you to be is powerful, but it's going to take process. And you don't have to identify with who I am. You have to identify with who what God called you to be. Does that make sense to you this morning? So every person, thank you. So every person in this place 
has their own walk, their own place, their own, their own walk with God and, and to develop into what God created them to be. And so the seed must die in its original form so that it can bring forth life and it becomes something far different than what we see in its original form. From, the, from, from where it begins to its greatest potential, there's a lot of circumstances that happens. There's a lot of things comes from the seed and there's new life and capability to produce fruit. But the seed in itself cannot produce fruit. And it has to come through the fulfillment of the plant form. In Galatians 2.20, it says, My old identity has been co-crucified with the Messiah and no longer lives, for the nails of the cross have crucified me with him. And now the essence of my new life is no longer mine. For the anointed one lives his life through me, and we live in union as one. My new life is empowered by faith of the Son of God who lives in me. So much that he gives himself for me and dispenses into my life and dispenses his life into mine. It's when we're planted that God begins to pour himself into us and we become, start producing who he is. It's out of the spirit of God. Let's just pretend that this is the spirit of God. And the spirit of God begins to pour himself into us. And as he, as he pours himself into us, we begin to develop into the person that he intended for us to be from the beginning. Now listen, in the plant life, there's this thing called pruning and stuff that we don't like to really go through and things we don't really like. And listen, on a tomato plant, there's this little, little bud that can come up. This one doesn't have one, but these are flowers that are about to bud into creating some tomatoes, but there's this little bud that can come up on a tomato plant. It's called a sucker. Let me tell you what the sucker does. The sucker sucks the life out of the plant, takes the nutrients out of the plant, so it doesn't produce the fruit it was intended to produce. Now, here's the thing. I got a little education from, the, from my mother and father-in-law between services. Uh, it will produce a tomato, but it's an inferior, it doesn't taste the same. But here's what else it does. It keeps the whole tomato plant from producing to its maximum ability. Yeah. Come on, I'm gonna preach to you this a little bit now. Sometimes in life, you gotta get the suckers off of your life. Yeah. Someone was telling me between services, you could take the sucker and cut it off and plant it in the ground, and it will produce another tomato plant. But that tomato plant is also inferior because it's not of its original origin. So I'm telling you this morning, there's some things you've got to get out of your life. There's some things that you've got to learn to say, hey, look, these things are sucking the life out of me. They're taking the life out of me. There's some things that you're probably watching that you need to quit watching. There's some places that you're going that you probably need to quit going. There's some things that you're hearing that you probably need to quit hearing. I was talking to someone this past week, and they were all upset about something that was on social media that was said about them. I said, really? Because here's the question I would say to you. If it's not true, who cares what people say? Don't let the enemy focus your attention on suckers that are taking the life out of you. Come on. Amen. Yeah. So good. Let me preach this a little bit more. I feel this in the Holy Spirit right now. 
some suckers come and remind you of who you once were. They never tell you of who God created you to be. Now, when you get around people who are saying, listen, you're powerful, you're great, God has given you this, that's the kind of people you say, I want you in my life. But when, you're, when you get around people who are tearing it down, who are breaking and telling you'll never be enough, you need to clip, <laughs> remove, yeah. destroy. Because all the life that Christ is pouring in you, they're pulling out. You'll say, well, pastor, the word says greater is he that is in me than he is in the world. It's exactly why you don't need the world pulling on you. Are y'all with me this morning? Because here's what I know. I was created to be powerful. In the seed form that I have once was that's not who I am anymore and I have become who God created me to be and and I am becoming who God created me to be I am producing the fruit that God created me to produce I, I I have given life to the world around me not because of something inside of me but because of Christ in me and I identify with the greatness of God and so I leave all these other things off Myself. Now let's talk about our responsibility. So in every seed, there's the potential to become everything it was created to be, but it must go through the process of dying to itself. Our flesh hates restraint. Okay, I'm sorry. My flesh hates restraint. How many, how many, how many would agree with me that our flesh hates our fleshly man hates restraint. And so here's again where we use this like freedom. This like a, oh, I just have freedom. No, you're living by the seat of the pants. That's not freedom. You're living some milly vanilly life and going your own way and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so listen, you're, you're just living like this life of freedom, but it's not really freedom because it has no restraint. You don't have any power because you have no restraint. Right now, I just read last night, actually this morning, I read that the, that the river is high as it's been in some hundred and something years or whatever in the Mississippi River, but they had this flood wherever it was ago, and somebody decided that, look, it was time to build some levees that were taller and build them bigger and build them better because there would come another time when the waters would come, and if there wasn't restraint... It would destroy. Mm -hmm. When there's no restraint in your life, there's everything around you will get destroyed. There has to be discipline. Everybody say discipline. I know you don't like to say that word. There has to be order in your life. Well, Pastor, I, I you know, I, the, I'm, I'm just free. And this is who God made me to be. No, you're blaming your, you're blaming your activity of your flesh on something that you shouldn't blame it on. There's no restraint in your life. You know, you don't want to get on a horse and just jump on his back and say, I'm not going to restrain you. Go where you want to go. You'll die. Yeah. I, 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 this is a little quick story. I, I used to ride horses with a friend. 
and uh, this horse, we would get riding and we'd get away from the barn. The minute you turn that horse's head to the barn, no matter how far you were out on the property, the minute you turn that horse's head to the barn and he felt like he was headed back, guess what? You better be putting some restraint because he was going to move from walking to gallop to run. And, in no, and, and listen, you better be holding on to the reins and you better have some restraint. And before I understood this about little sweet sugar, that was the horse's name. <laughs> before I understood this about sugar, I, I landed somewhere with a stick aside my head and on the ground because I didn't know how to restrain the horse. The horse wasn't mean. The horse wasn't out of control. The horse wasn't bad. The horse needed restraint. The horse needed guidance. The horse needed direction. Let me tell you something. I'm not calling you a bunch of horses, but you need restraint in your life. You need to say, there's some things that I'm going to put some boundaries on. That I'm going to say, look, I'm going to have some boundaries in my life. I'm going to have some places that I'm going to say no to. There are things that will affect my life, that will be destruction in my life. I'm putting some restraints on. Well, Pastor, um, we just live by grace. Well, let me tell you something. You're going to end up in bad trouble with grace if you don't have some restraints. Because let me tell you what, let me tell you what holiness is. Holiness is knowing what you're supposed to do and doing it. That's why the Bible says, He that knoweth to do good and do it not, to him is a sin. He didn't say, you should do what I do. Or it's a sin. I, I, I have to have restraints that my wife doesn't have to have. We don't have the same personality. We don't have the same temptation. We don't have the same issues. And God requires restraints for me. He doesn't require for her. And as a young preacher, I used to get up and sometimes and share my restraints with the audience and say, you know, you should restrain yourself because I have to. You see, holiness is obedience and being full of him. Holiness is not what I do or I don't do. It's doing what he has called me to do. It begins to be a problem when we start judging ourselves among ourselves. We say, well, they can do it. Surely I can do it. Now, listen, if that's a restraint for you and it leads you down a path that's going to lead you off, cut that off your tree. Everybody say, I love you, Pastor. <laughs> Our flesh hates restraint. It hates order. It hates discipline. I learned as I get older, listen to me, young people. I want all you young people to listen to me. When I say young people, I'm talking about under 30. Maybe some of you old people need to listen to. <laughs> I'm sorry, older people. I've learned in my lifetime how powerful order is. I, I used to scare my wife to death because I, I, would, I would see something or think of something and next thing I know I'd be doing something because I had no order. I'm, I'm not talking about pre-Christ. I'm talking about after Christ. Pre-Christ, that's a whole other thing. 
that was just craziness. But I'm talking about save person, okay? It's about you save folk. And I didn't have a lot of order in my life. And I didn't realize how important order was in my life. And I didn't realize how important it was to have some of these disciplines in my life. And because I didn't have these order and disciplines, I continued to try to manage something that wasn't manageable. That's why God gave me Angela, because if there's order, I mean, she's like, order. (laughs) And she's ordered my steps a few times. But when I learned that order and discipline produces greatness, I started loving order and discipline. So we have to tell our flesh, this is not punishment. This is preparation for greatness. This is preparation for greatness. It's not restraining me from being free. It's allowing me to be powerful. Because now that the river has its banks, it's powerful. Come on, somebody. So we have to die. We have to die in order to live. But the order of life in our Christ brings the greatest potential. I saw this flower, and I'm getting ready to close in just a minute. I saw this flower. I was in California. I remember it was a couple years ago. Took a picture of it. Couldn't find it this morning. But I saw this flower. It was growing in this brick wall. Has anybody ever seen that before? Like, it was a wildflower. It was just growing out of this brick wall. It found just enough dirt there just to spring up, and it was beautiful. It was a beautiful flower. I took a picture. I was like amazed. I was like, I can't believe that this flower is growing in this wall. It's, this beautiful flower is growing out of this wall. And, and I was so impressed with it. I was, I, I saw, I'm not big on flowers, to be honest, but I, I was so impressed with this flower growing in this brick wall, I took a picture of it. But here's the deal. I got to thinking about that later. I was like, as beautiful as it was, if the first wind or rain come along, it'd be gone. Because it's not in a place to have deep-rooted, deep roots. I, I don't want to, maybe, maybe this is not correct, but it might have got lucky that it found a place to blossom but it wasn't really a place to grow. And so it bloomed and it was beautiful, but the first rain or the first storm or the first wind would devastate this little flower. But a tree, an oak tree finds, it has as big as this top, it has the root system in the bottom. A palm tree as tall as it is has roots that are deeper and a pine tree may snap off in the wind but it's going to recover because of the deep roots below and has sustainability. It can handle the storms of life. And when we just have our Christianity be like a little blooming flower that we hope blossoms at a certain time of life but it has no roots, it won't be able to withstand the storm. And it's our purpose to put our roots down 
and to be planted in places that can withstand and not only withstand but it's that tree that produces fruit and it gives life and it gives shade and it does all that a tree should do because it's in its right place doing its right thing in Luke 14 he says whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple that's my responsibility in Matthew 10, it says, Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And when I read that scripture, that's like, whoa. Because, I mean, <laughs> my wife and my kids, dude, I, I can't even explain the love I have for them. My mom and dad, always been faithful in my life but he said if you're not willing to put me even above those places you cannot grow to the places I want you to go it cost you something and Luke 9 then he said to them whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me in Luke 24, 9, 24, he said, For whoever wants to save their life must lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose their soul? Or forfeit their very self? To gain everything, to look at everything around you, you're gaining but you have no restraints and you lose what God has created you to be. What's your purpose? What's your purpose? To live our lives dead to self and to live in Christ is to gain everything. Paul said, I must die once a month. No. Suppose that I must die on Sunday morning when the alarm clock goes off and I'm on my way to church. You know, Paul said, I got to die daily. I got to keep telling this old flesh, you got to die. You got to die, old flesh. You got to submit that will every day to God. You got to submit that plan to every day to God. And you say, God, I'm never going to let the seed be all that I am. But I'm going to be planting. And I'm going to go through the process. And I will become everything you created me to be. It's worth it. And so when you're in those dark places, down in those dark places of life. And nobody's patting you on the back. Saying, man, come on. You can do it. You're going to make it. But you know the potential that's in you. And you stay planted. And you don't pluck yourself up and you don't try to go oh wait a minute I'm losing my identity of who I am no I'm being planted so I can become who I am and I'm going to fulfill all that God has for my life can I get a better amen this morning somebody look at your neighbor say you're powerful say you're more than what you see
This week is going to be an amazing week. John's going to come in a minute and pray over you guys, but I was going to tell you this week's going to be amazing. How many's ever done RFK before? Okay, well, you already know then. You're going to know that you're going to, instead of, you will change lives this week, but your life will be changed. It's the sacrifice that you're making this week that helps you become who you are. It's cutting off all a lot of other stuff out of your life this week to say, you know what? I'm going to give my life. Some children that's been told their whole life they were nothing, but I'm going to leave this this week and I'm going to say, listen, what you were created to be is powerful. And I'm powerful and you're powerful and God's got something great for your life. No matter what you've been through, no matter the rough roads you've been down, no matter the places that you've been rejected. Because God doesn't create any junk. I say that to you this place this morning. You're powerful. No matter where you've been, what you've been through, what people said about you, what people think about you, all of those things. Listen, what matters most is what God has already said about you. And what he believes about you. And anything that you hear, any of them suckers come along, they, they want to suck the life of you and they want to tell you something different than what God has already said about you. They want to, the enemy wants to come put a lie in your ear. He wants to come put something in your thoughts or put something in your heart. That's not what God said about you. Cut it off. Get rid of it. And don't believe anything. Don't believe anything other than what he says you are. Become. Becoming. 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 Everything he created you to be. Can you stand with me this morning?